So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Right. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast. Toby and Leo and myself coming back to you with another round for the first round of the playoffs of Super Rugby Pacific. Um, only four games here, but we also have a little bit of the we also have the Women's Pacific Four series, um, some results to review, and a bit of controversy coming through Major League Rugby as well as England um, announcing its squad touring down under and a few notable names that are going to be missing out from Eddie Jones's squad there as well. But we start off in Super Rugby Pacific. And I think it was Leo who's called this completely right from last week. Um, all the home teams got up here, starting off on Friday night in Christchurch, 37-15. They took down the Reds. They kept it close till about 50, 60 minutes or so. But then Crusaders, as they so often do, ran away with it. The Chiefs took down a error-riddled Waratahs game, really disappointing from the men in sky blue here. 39-15, just could not get things going. Um, unfortunately, we didn't see Izzy Parisi come back um, for this game, and that didn't help them at all. Blues, as you would expect, take down clinical in their finish off of the Highlanders, 35-6, to and put themselves in the driving seat in this competition. And then the Brumbies, despite... An early red card 20 minutes in to Len Tower that we'll talk about um, managed to hold on and come back in the end against this Hurricanes team. 35-25, a really late try, sort of pushes that margin out a bit further. Doesn't tell you the full story of how close this game was. Um, but exciting times. And boys, were you disappointed with what the Reds and the Waratahs put out on the weekend um, as the, the two losing Australian teams? I think I'm more disappointed in the Waratahs, um, I guess because they were their own worst enemies to a large degree. The Reds lost, like those guys are just ravaged by injury. They have a non-competitive front row. The scrum and the lineouts both suffered, um, although Liam Wright back in the lineouts actually looked handy, um, but they just really couldn't match it up at critical set piece. Um, and, and I feel like that's the best they could do, like not, not that it was poor and that's you know those guys are poor as players just the they've lost the war of attrition this season um and they just weren't competitive as a result so that's a real shame for them because um you know they they really started hot and and it just got to them eventually whereas the tars i definitely feel like they were in this game and they were they had all these moments where they could have been scoring tries could have been finishing plays could have been you know really building pressure in the chase 22 and and they just fumbled away those opportunities over and over and it was uncharacteristic for a team who's bounced back from such a miserable season last year to eight wins in the regular season this year and if we're going to go through these teams and give them the rating the Waratahs are getting an A plus for me regardless of this this fallout in the playoffs round one. Yeah I think obviously the the key injuries to the Reds of O'Connor and Tupo really were telling in this game. And I think even having McWright come off the bench 
you know, and Paisami. for what reason that was, I th- yeah, Paisami as well. They're, you know, some key selection errors possibly there from Thorne as well, but, you know, Liam Wright, who knows where he'll be next year and maybe they just wanted to give him a send-off. But Tars, you can hardly complain. They've overperformed this year. Um, I think, you know, they could have been in, if they played to their potential, they could have been in with a real shot to win that game over the Chiefs. But all in all, it's hard to complain when we've um, come from no wins to to eight in the, the space of 12 months. So pretty impressed by them overall. I think the Reds, yeah, likely I said, just disappointing. Um, lost a bit of their shine this year and hopefully they can rejuvenate over the offseason and come back stronger next year because they've got a lot of potential, I think, to be really challenging at the pointy end of the season. And, you know, since the early rounds, they really haven't been up to standard. Otherwise, you know, like... Brumbies, as you mentioned, Arch, good win. I think that's a team we can hang our hat on. They're an impressive unit. Um, going to be tough without Ikitao this coming weekend, but you know they're holding the torch now for an Australian rugby um, until we get to face the Kiwis in the rugby championship. So hopefully they can put in a good performance this weekend. So Leo put down like an A or A plus grading for the Tars this year. Um, obviously, after last year, big improvement. What would you give the Reds? Um, is do you get to give them the passing grade? Is it just is, do you give oh, them the ex, do you oh, give them C excuse plus. because of injuries? But that's two years oh, I, in a row they've just had too many injuries and it's dismantled them in the second half of the season. Well, last year obviously they won the Australian Torno, and then when when we went Trans Pacific. Um, didn't really, so Trans Tasman, not Trans Pacific. Um, they, they they didn't quite compete there, but this year, I mean, some of the players who've come through, uh, I've seen worse makeshift tens than Lawson Crichton. I mean, he started a bit rough, but it was also a very unexpected um, debut starting there at ten with James O'Connor pulling out on like a Thursday, I think. So, in terms of the guys who've stepped up, I think. What's what's happened? I give them more of a B because I think they've done pretty well to even get get to where they got to carry through the season, not really fall in a heap. Um, the the guys that have come through, certainly in the backs, have had some real gems come forward and take a bigger role this year. Guys like Fluke, uh, as I said, Lawson Crichton, I think's developing, but it's just a front row. They just didn't have anything in the front row. They were they were into about their fifth string hooker. Um, like they just really, really couldn't compete there. So um, that's that's not necessarily their fault. I think that's just a really horrid run of luck. So you yeah, don't think I, it's I'm, anything of Brad Thorne's coaching or like training, meaning that these guys break down earlier in the season? No, not someone like O'Connor's hamstring. Like when he's an older guy, he's still pushing himself pretty hard and he's had a few injuries. That, that's the sort of stuff that can just crop up. And and Tupo, I mean, Tupo's been very resilient for a long time, mm. um, and no one's invulnerable, so it was bound to happen at some point. Um, so no, I, I don't I don't put this on Brad Thorne in any major way. Like, there's always going to be some impact. Some of the selections, as Toby said, have been a bit unexpected, but we never know the whole picture, and we might be actually un, unaware that they're managing Paisami a lot more than we realise they're managing. Um, McWright for some reason like these guys are pretty tough they play through a lot of a lot of pain um, there might be more to it yeah I, I guess it's it's a case of 
whether we're understanding it properly. I think sometimes we can assume that Brad Thorne is making some, you know, selections kind of to teach players a lesson and really kind of keep them in check. Um, I'm not sure if that's the case with Merrick Wright, but I don't really see why he shouldn't have been starting that final. It's happened before where he's been dropped out of the blue. And I don't know, for a guy that's, I think captain material, he should be there out there as much as possible. I think the continuity of selection sometimes with Brad Thorne is a little bit Mm. lacking. Um, And I don't think they really have the luxury to be rotating like a team, say, as, you know, as the Crusaders tend to do. They're not quite at that standard. I really liked what the Tars were doing this year in terms of just really forming those combinations and not moving things around too much. Mm-hmm. Um, like there was almost a, an organic progression of of selections with with the Tars and, you know, someone like Hugh Sinclair, for example, came in, did his job, and then a few weeks later was out on the bench and, you know, someone else stepped up. So I just felt like that was a better... Um, yeah. It felt like people actually played their way into the into the starting team rather yeah. than someone not performing and, and then getting dropped because they weren't probably performing. probably a good example of that is say Lucan Salakai Loto. I think you know although he's leaving at the end of this season, you know he's been a really good servant to Reds rugby, and I'm not sure if he was being punished for the fact he's leaving and and not selected in those later games, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think sometimes Brad Thorne maybe is a little bit, um, I don't know. What's the word I'm looking for? Flippant. Maybe a little bit flippant or just, I don't know. Maybe he's a little bit unforgiving in the way he conducts himself and that can sometimes cause problems within the group if mm. people think they're getting a bit hard done by. You know, he does have a pretty good track record of building this team up. But it's a question of whether, you know, have they hit their peak already and are they starting to decline and they've kind of missed that key championship window. I know, you know, they they won Super Rugby AU, but, you know, it's the the overall title that you won. And you've got to yeah. hope next year they come back and they, they're stronger for it because mm. you'd hate to see them decline from here. Mm. Leo, what grade would you give the Highlanders this year? Highlanders, tricky one because I think we expected... Um, them to be comfortably the worst team, um, and I guess they they proved that, that they. Well, yeah, I guess, but it's it's always a matter of context, right? Because the good teams are very good, and say the Waratahs were surprisingly good for everyone, and so that's that's at least one win that we would have probably expected the Highlanders to take, and they didn't. So. You get a couple of teams overperforming. Someone's got to cop the L's, and the Highlanders, mm-hmm. along with a couple of Australian teams, certainly were were just down on a couple of um, games that maybe we expected they'd they'd get up. So uh, they they are still in a rebuilding phase. I don't want to be too harsh. Um, did they lose games they should have won? Yes. So they're they're probably in like a C plus. Um, it's it's not abject failure. They didn't just run their season into the ground, but they just again they, they didn't have the stocks. Um, they're still going through a bit of a transition period and they had some good moments. They challenged some good teams, but they probably couldn't play 80 minutes every week. Uh, so, yeah, it's sort of middling for them. I guess they'll still be on the rebuild next year and um, they really need to bring a couple of good core players in to, to help that team grow in the next couple of years. Well, great. C+. Oh, sorry, I missed that. I was obviously looking up at the screen. 
My bad, Toby. What grade for the hur- the for the Hurricanes? Um, look, in some ways, I think they overperformed. I'd probably give them a B minus. Um, you know, I I can see a lot of problems with that team, but they tend to get some results that they probably shouldn't get, and maybe it is led by players like Geordie that can really step up and change a game with a few key moments. I think Amoa was pretty strong at hooker. I mean, Dane Coles is still there as well. They've got a few pretty impressive pieces within the team. I think TJ coming back actually did help a little bit in terms of settling the ship. Um, he's, you know, he's not quite the player he was in, in his heyday, but he's still pretty serviceable. Um, and I think he's a really good leader. So Canes, yeah, you can't complain too much. They're, you know, they're one of those teams, as we keep saying, that are a little bit hit and miss week to week. I think that will change over time. Um, it's whether the coaching there is is as good as some of the Canterbury and, you know, the Blues teams. Um, but, yeah, look, I've, I was relatively impressed with the Canes. I think they, they slightly overperformed. I think they were really surprised and shocked that they didn't win against the Brumbies. The looks on the faces after that game said to me that those guys really thought they were going to win that game. And maybe, maybe um, it's belief, you know, like... From our perspective, I thought the Brumbies are the better team, clearly, and at home yeah, should me too. be, you know, and it just shows you with Kiwi teams, they always have that belief. Um, I, guess I think that's key. The Hurricanes had maybe the ticket because they didn't have to face one of their own um, yeah, they in the finals and, an and in any game. other position. If they'd performed slightly worse, they would have faced the Crusaders or the Blues or the Chiefs, and they almost certainly wouldn't have won. So they definitely saw an opportunity. They looked pretty shocked after that game, but... Brummies definitely earned the spot. So four more teams remain this weekend. Crusaders hosting the Chiefs on Friday night, again down in Christchurch. Um, looking at the TAB and margins here, what do you give them, Tobes? Let's start with you. Um, so first game, Crusaders versus Chiefs, Friday night. Yep. What do we got? Crusaders. Cogs attorney. Crusaders Chiefs are always notoriously close, but I think from my perspective, they're the far better team, Crusaders. So I'm going to say minus eight. I, I reckon the bookies will have it a little bit closer. I agree. I think it won't be as close, but I reckon they'll have it more like six and a half. Ooh, both going very close. It is seven and a half. So Toby gets it by the skin of his teeth there. Um, and the next game, obviously, tournament favourites and front runners, the Blues, are hosting the Brumbies. Um, so the Brumbies only went down by two points back in round 14, back at Canberra, but this is Eden Park. Um, where do you think the, the bookies are going to have this, guys? We'll start with Leah. Oh, the bookies will absolutely have the Blues' favourite, and I reckon it's even just um, seeing Iki Tower rubbed out that's more change in a back line, which is facing some pretty stellar play in the Blues. I, I think they'll probably have them out. I reckon they're at least, maybe I'm going to say nine and a half to the Blues. I think they're going to be disrespecting the Brumbies. I think they will keep it close. I just hope they can pull off another 80-minute show. They don't They don't rate Sapsford, you reckon, at the, the betting agency? I, they don't because they don't know him. And yeah. to be honest, I don't know him, but he's certainly not Iki Tau. And, and just looking at the opposition... They'll be targeting him for sure. Yeah, Rico and Tavasa Shek against him. Busy week. 
Yeah, look, I think Leo's right on the money there. I'll probably go a little bit bigger. I'll say by 11. Um, Blue's running hot, and I think deservedly so. They proved last week that resting those guys against the Tars while still getting that result has worked in their favour. I'm still on the Crusaders bandwagon. I think they'll be the team that ultimately wins this competition, but it's hard to really dispute the bookies if they were to put the Blues out by pretty heavy favourites. And look, Eden Park, when has an Australian team won there? I couldn't tell you. Mm -hmm. Um, Both from a Wallabies perspective and a Super Rugby perspective, it was probably the Brumbies or something in the day but mm, i think the rebels actually may have won most recently there oh really three or four years ago against the blues yeah seems it seems like a long time ago but i mean look i'm happy to see this the brumbies need to to beat the number one team to ultimately get there i think possibly it's a bridge too far i think if Iki Tao was there i'd say that they they would be in a, with a shot i just think that disruption may hurt them particularly with some of the dynamic and big outside backs that the Blues have. Mm. That could be a really um, a bit of a fragile channels for the Brumbies in defence if they're not used to communicating together in those combinations. Um, but look, the Brumbies have pl- plenty of fight and I actually think that they could have the better forward pack overall. Mm. Yeah, I think they're very much outmatched in the backs. Um, the bookies have this at 12 and a half, so Toby takes it two from two for this week. Um, but very much as we were sort of all feeling it, um, seems like we're destined for another Blues Crusaders showdown um, next week as well. Otherwise, around the park, the Pacific Four Series Women's Series is kicking off, and that's the series between Australia, New Zealand, Canada and USA um, in a bit of sort of warm-up games before the Women's World Cup later this year in New Zealand. First game was down at uh, Tauranga on Monday for the long weekend with the Wallaroos uh, being up at halftime 10-5, but eventually going down 23 points to 10. Bit wet and windy this weekend with this game. So a lot of sort of close balls, um, bit of difficult handling conditions, and very much so for the US-Canada game. Um, but the Canadians really turned it on here. 36-5, took down the US women's. Um, that continues this weekend back up here in Auckland with US and Australia facing off against each other and then Canada and New Zealand um, in the second of three rounds for this um, Pacific Four Series. So uh, a little bit to look forward to there. The big news out of US MLR um, with the Guiltinis and Gilgronis both being disqualified from postseason, um, both being those two being the top of the Western Conference. Um, they get taken out here and open the door for a few other teams here. They haven't quite announced what the reason is behind this, but I think the thought is that there was potentially some breaches of salary cap for players. What do we think Coleman knew about this? I mean, this the, the, the rosters know. haven't changed that much. You oh, it definitely would have been happening last year as well, yeah. Yeah. thing is, He's, like, um, I don't want to, yeah, you don't want to kind of assume how much people know about these things. There was some suggestion that, the Gilgronies breached the salary cap and because they have the same owners with the Giltinis, they were actually protesting that and complaining and saying, look, this is ridiculous. We're going to kind of go on strike a little bit. And then for that reason, they were brought into the mix of just being like, well, you're out then if you're going to kind of defend the other team that's Mm -hmm. breached the salary cap. 
I think it's more likely that the Giltinis have actually done the same thing. Um, look, look at their roster. There's some pretty big names on there. Number one being probably Matt Gitto. You know, yeah. Drew Mitchell's right in their paint. You know, if the salary cap's half a million US per year for a roster of 35 people. That can't be I the salary cap. Is that all it is? That can't be the salary cap, though. Like. That's what he said on Instagram. So, yeah, I feel half like he, you know, he's tapped in because Adam Ashley Cooper's on the coaching staff. He's obviously mates with Gitto as well, who's number 10 there. So, you know. Like, right. It's like 20 grand a player. Well, it sounded like it was almost, he was saying, look, every team is probably breaching the salary cap and maybe it's the Giltinis or Gilgronis that have, done it in the the most dramatic fashion either way it's a really bad look for the competition you know darren coleman he probably left because he had the opportunity to take the waratahs job rather than knowing something was awry but he left at the right time because now it's in a bit of a state of disarray and after getting the, the rugby world cup in the 2030s you know like they need to sort this out pretty quickly I just don't, I didn't even realise there would be a salary cap for my thought, like in a new expanding competition, you want to try and get as many high-level players as you can. And the I thing guess is, the risk plenty- is if you don't, if it's private ownership, then it's pretty much who's got the biggest wallet and so teams yeah. just won't be able to compete. Isn't that like half of American sports though? Isn't that the whole like point behind the base, um, Major League well, no, Baseball? Not in, like the not in NBA so long. And- for so, I don't know but like that. even NBA, like it's the teams baseball. that have the highest amount of money, like they still are able to offer these but super there, max contracts. Cap. You just you can you can pay the luxury tax if you breach that salary yeah. cap. So, you know, however much you go over, you get you get taxed on that amount again. So it's a disincentive to do so. Mm. I can understand it in in the infancy of a competition doing this, but that salary cap, if that's actually correct, is far too low. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, opens it up for a few other teams. So we'll see what happens over these first couple of weeks of finals as we start to look a bit more at Major League Rugby. Um, We've sort of been keeping a bit of an eye on it, tapped in, but it's been absolutely being dominated um, by the Guiltines, Gilgronies on one side. And then uh, I think it's sort of the old glory. And is New York still on the other side, still playing pretty well? Um, But we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens over these next couple of weeks as they go into the postseason as well. Other news around, obviously, Eddie Jones has named his England squad. Um, probably the big things that uh, we can note is Carl Sinclair not going to be there. The big front rower, quite dynamic front rower that's caused issues for us in the past in the scrums. And Manu Tuolagi, um, the inside centre that he's played all over the um, back line for them, but really means that they're sort of missing a big ball running centre inside centre that Eddie Jones has favoured more in recent years since going away from that um, Farrell forward sort of combination. Um, and if if they're versing someone like Karevi, I'm sure he would like to try and um, depower that a little bit by matching him up with someone likewise size. But, I mean, that's not going to help. But there's a whole lot of players that I, I don't know um, on this England team. So it's going to be really interesting um, seeing what kind of team that we see put out on the park against us. Is it going to be the old sort of squad that we've seen over the last couple of years that he's bringing back? Or is he going to actually give a few um, debuts to some of these youngsters and some of these exciting guys from uh, from club teams this year? I, I think we're in the box seat for this series. You know, like having seen us go down 3-0 in 2016, 
I think we're far better positioned this time around. Um, you know, Rennie's a really smart coach. We keep saying, saying that. And the guys, just the way they've come through the youth in the last couple of years, I think, is really starting to pay dividends. We've seen it have been super rugby. I think we're going to see it even more at a Wallabies level. Um, and there's always that extra motivation when Eddie Jones is on the other side of the coaching table and we want to get some revenge. You know, we haven't won a game against England since 2015 in the World Cup when we, you know, kicked them out of their own World Cup. And that means obviously that they've never lost a game to Australia under Eddie Jones. So I'd like to change that. Hopefully we can actually get a clean sweep this time. It's going to be a huge challenge. It always is against England. But playing at home, I think, gives us a really big edge. Yeah, and I'm saying, I guess, I have high hopes that, that we can really turn it on and this would be a real mark in the sand uh, and, a, and a stage of progression for this young redeveloping Wallabies side. Uh, just very interesting to see who we who we pick, who we bring in with our little international tickets, um, where they think they need the support, particularly with guys like O'Connor, a bit under the weather, uh, front rows, stocks looking pretty good. Uh, back row, back sorry, back three stocks looking all right, but are we going to bring Marika in? Like, yeah, it'd just be interesting to see where they prioritise and and who gets a ticket if it's only a squad of thirty six for us. Remember, those squads are being announced this Sunday after um, this semi finals, so be very interesting and a lot of stuff to break down. All right, boys, we might wrap it up there. Any bold calls for this weekend in the semi finals? Brumbies to win by three. Yeah, don't run off the Brumbies, honestly. I think the Blues will be very, very confident. But the Brumbies have enough in that team if they play well to really disrupt things. You know, they've really got nothing to lose, I think. There's a lot of guys leaving. There'll be plenty of motivation there. Um, Dan McKellar, let's send him off in style, get them to the final. My bold call is probably Pablo Matera is going to get another card. Against the Chiefs. Well, hopefully he gets bold for like two years or something. Well, I like Pablo Matera. Don't do all that. Do you really like him that much? He's I like him, but he needs to be treated like everyone else. Yeah, absolutely. Lenny Kita has to sit on the sidelines this weekend. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's what just annoys you way too much when we miss out on some of our sort of prestigious players and then the Crusaders somehow get to keep Matera. Anyway... Keep- Keep watching Will Jordan for another one oh, of those man. Just so extra good. special tries. So Best good. player in the world at the moment, I reckon. Yeah. Best back, think, at least. Outside yeah. back. If good call. The 10, good call for saying that. World Rugby Player of the Year, I reckon, early on. Like, he's just going to keep getting better and better, awesome. I think. Yeah. Um, he might be the difference versus Ireland when they come for um, that June, um, July series versus the All Blacks. Anyway, boys, we'll leave it there. Make sure you are following us on Instagram and at Running Rugby Podcast and on Twitter at Running Rugby Pod and liking and subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. But thanks for tuning in. Semi-finals week. Let's go, Brums. And last of all, keep on running. Run.